Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our passage today describes different miraculous healings that Jesus performed while traveling the countryside. Just a few days earlier, Jesus had passed through his hometown in Galilee. Although his neighbors were impressed by his wisdom and ability to do a few healings, they couldn't accept him as anything more than the carpenter's kid, the eldest son of Joseph and Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, and their unnamed sisters. Jesus was seen by his neighbors as a local kid who seemed to be doing pretty well, but they acted as though he was grandstanding. Perhaps they remember the times where he played games with their own kids while growing up, or the mistakes that he made while he was trying to learn how to be a carpenter like his dad. And they couldn't see beyond these memories. Their image of him wouldn't allow them to accept him as anything other than a local neighbor who was making a name for himself as a teacher. Even though they saw him perform miraculous healings, they wouldn't accept him. Interestingly, this lack of faith prevented Jesus from being able to do much in his hometown. He wanted to help people, but he couldn't because they didn't believe he could. Scripture tells us that Jesus was amazed at their unbelief, but there was nothing he could do about it. Well, after leaving this area, Jesus continued to journey throughout the countryside, sending his prophets, or his disciples rather, in pairs to other villages and teaching in the open field. He crossed the Sea of Galilee a few times, teaching in other communities around this inland sea, and then eventually left for the Mediterranean coastal regions up in the northwest. It's in the northern region of Tyre that he encountered this Syrophoenician Although he left the regions of Jerusalem and Galilee, his fame had spread all through the surrounding areas, so he couldn't go anywhere without being recognized. He tried to discreetly enter one of the houses in Tyre, but he was quickly discovered. When the Syrophoenician woman heard that Jesus was nearby, she found him and begged for his help. Her daughter had an unclean spirit, and Jesus seemed to be the only hope for her rescue. Scripture doesn't tell us her name, but there are writings from the third century that talk about this encounter. And the name given to her in those writings is Justa. These writings also identify her daughter as Bernice. So we'll be using those names, Justa and Bernice. She was a resident of this area, and Jesus was the one who was passing through. So Joseph, Justa, rather, had some social status in this encounter. But she also had several cultural disadvantages, like being a woman in a patriarchal society, and being a member of the Greek cult rather than a practicing Jew. Jesus clearly had the upper hand because he was the only one with the ability to cure her daughter. So Justa approached him in the house and bowed down at his feet. She
she humbled herself, perhaps trying to appeal to his pride, but not realizing that pride was not a motivating factor for Jesus. She must have had faith in his abilities. She was willing to approach this stranger from a different land and a different culture with her daughter's well-being at stake. Jesus' response was stunning. In verse 27, we read that, quote, He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Yes, he called her a dog. Granted, the Greek word here used uh, refers to a small house dog as opposed to a big street dog. But still, he called her a dog. And it was, this, it was as insulting then as it is today. This is so uncharacteristic of Jesus. It's no wonder that this story was omitted from the Gospels of Luke and John. Throughout Scripture, Jesus is characterized as a compassionate person who accommodates those in need, fulfilling requests to heal and answer questions from anyone who engages with him. Reading this passage, where he refuses to heal a child because he sees her pleading mother as an unworthy dog just doesn't make sense. Perhaps he didn't think she would understand this gift of healing that he was offering to people. Towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus teaches, Do not give what is holy to dogs. Do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will tra trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Is this what he was thinking? That Jesu just didn't understand the value of the meaning of the, her daughter's healing? Well, Jesu's response was equally stunning. She didn't react with indignation or respond with an equally derisive comment. She simply said, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. It's as if she was saying, Call me whatever you like, but the fact of the matter is that my daughter needs your help, and it's not unfair to rescue my daughter while you're here and have the ability to save her. Scripture teaches, tells us that Jesus replied, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. What she said to him changed his mind, and he decided to heal her daughter. This brilliant teacher, the Son of God, who withstood all the challenges from the scribes, the Pharisees, and the lawyers in the temple, was discreetly and publicly challenged and corrected in one short sentence by this Syrophoenician woman, and he changed his mind. Again, all we have is the dialogue, so we can only guess what Jesus was thinking. Perhaps he saw her faith and realized she did fathom the importance of this miraculous healing. This is the understanding taken in the account of the interaction that was given in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 15, verse 28, where Jesus responded slightly different in that account, saying, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. Maybe he learned a new lesson about valuing certain people from other cultures. We tend to expect Jesus to already know everything, but we also understand that Jesus was fully human as well as fully divine. Isn't it part of the human experience to learn new things? 
to need to be corrected when we misunderstand something. Some may find it comforting to consider the possibility that Jesus, in his earthly walk, may have needed someone to correct him, just as we all do from time to time. The fact that he gracefully acknowledged the challenge and changed his view says a great deal about his wisdom. And it gives us another example to follow in our own lives when we are confronted and need to change our view. After spending some time in the region of Tyre, Jesus decided to go back towards Galilee. Somewhere along this journey, we read of another miraculous healing that takes place. A deaf man who had a speech impediment was brought to him by a group of people, and Jesus was asked to heal him. Jesus agreed and took the deaf man aside privately to work with him. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears, spat, touched his tongue, then said, Be open, Ephatha. Immediately the man was able to hear and speak clearly. Those accompanying the man were amazed and shared their exciting news with the friends of their friends' healing with everyone they met, even though Jesus asked them not to tell anyone about it. When we compare these two healings, curing the daughter with a demon and enabling a deaf man to hear and speak clearly, they are remarkably different in many ways. First, we see the daughter never met Jesus, but was represented by a single person, her mother. Whereas the deaf man was brought directly to Jesus by a whole crowd. We also see how Jesus never showed any indication that he was actually healing the daughter. He simply said, the demon has left your daughter. It's done. It's over. But the deaf man experienced a very dramatic healing. He was taken aside privately. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears, spat, touched his tongue, and he uttered the words out loud for the man's ears to be opened. In the case of the Syrophoenician woman, there was no reaction between Jesus and her daughter who was being cured, while Jesus interacted with the deaf man through every possible human sense. The man clearly saw Jesus up close, probably smelled his clothes. He felt Jesus touching his ears, tasted Jesus' hands on his tongue, and even eventually heard him say, be open. Even the conclusion is dramatically different. Justice simply goes home to find Bernice lying on a bed, finally home. While the crowd who brought the deaf man can't contain their excitement, Jesus couldn't keep them from proclaiming the miracle to everyone around them. These two stories tell us much about breaking barriers. Of course, the first lesson is the one that Jesus learned from Justice. Those who are different or disenfranchised deserve the same compassion and opportunity of relief from suffering as anyone from the privileged group or the dominant group in their society. Now, Jesus clearly had compassion for the disenfranchised within the Jewish community. But this account of his interaction with a Gentile woman, who probably worshipped in a pagan cult, seemed to challenge him to offer the same compassionate healing to others from a very different culture. His eventual response, acknowledging the humanity of Justa and Bernice, 
teaches us to share God's love with those who are culturally different, and even those we simply may not understand. This lesson is about breaking cultural barriers. But I think there's another lesson in this passage that speaks more about breaking our own personal barriers of faith. Having a sincere faith in Christ is foundational for receiving the blessings that Christ has to offer. Since we don't really believe Christ can, when we don't really believe that Christ can offer help and healing, then we won't be able to receive it. Just like his neighbors in Galilee who only saw him as the carpenter's son, Christ won't be able to do much for us if we don't believe he can. Christ wants us to, wants to bring us closer to God, but if we doubt that can really happen, it probably won't. On the other hand, we have the case of Justin, who apparently had a great deal of faith in Jesus. As soon as he acknowledged her argument, her daughter was healed. There was nothing said or done according to scripture, it just simply happened. On the other hand, the deaf man's healing was much more dramatic and took more time. There were many more steps taken to complete his healing. And I wonder if it was possibly due to the difficulty in that man's ability to accept that Jesus could actually do it. It's almost, it's almost as if Jesus had to convince him that he was legitimately being healed so that he, was accepted, so that he would accept his healing and go out into the world acting as though he really had been cured. Sometimes I think many of us come to Christ with the same mindset. We've been told Christ forgives, but we sometimes hang on to guilt for things we've done that seem unforgivable to us. We've been told Christ watches over us and will bring peace to our lives, yet we still go about our days sometimes in periodic fits of anxiety, worried that we won't have enough fill-in-the-blank, time, money, love, whatever we believe we need to make us happy. We've heard of the wonderful blessings that Christ has to offer, but we simply don't truly believe deep down in our hearts sometimes that we really have them. In the first chapter of the letter from James, we read, If any of you is lacking wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Whether it's wisdom, love, joy, peace, or any of the blessings from God, James encourages us to ask for these things in faith if we want to receive them. And we also need to remember that our prayers are sometimes answered in unexpected ways. Living into the understanding that we have received the fruits of the Spirit does not mean we will not experience pain, loss, or suffering. These experiences seem to be unavoidable sometimes. I don't know why. But Christ will see us through these difficult times while granting us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Jesus implies that we sometimes won't get what we ask for in the ways that we expected in his message to the crowd, again, in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, he teaches us, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if a child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God answers our prayers in ways we may never imagine. But we need to have enough faith in God to rely on the promise that our prayers are heard and answered so that we can go out into the world with the attitude that it is done. It has happened. We have it. Without a doubt, that blessing that we have asked for has been received. So consider the barriers that you may have in your life this morning to other people as well as to God. Ask Christ to help you break down those barriers and rest assured that your prayer will be answered by going about your day in faith, sincerely believing that God hears your prayer and has already answered it. You will allow Jesus to work miracles in your own life.